Hello, everyone. It's Christine Marie Mason, your host for the Rose Woman podcast, where every week we take a little journey into something that can expand our capacity to love or create a little bit more liberation so that we can stand in peace and power in the world. And this week I'm doing a solo episode. I haven't done one of these in a while, but I've gotten a couple of requests. And today I'm going to talk about shutting down the internal grievance factory. When I was married in what seems now like a prior lifetime, my husband and I traveled to Scotland, which is his ancestral home. And on the airport arrival in Edinburgh, there were lines hours long, and it was not fun after a long flight. But on the ground in line, we found a little charm bracelet, a charm of a typewriter. And we amused ourselves by doing bits about a tiny typewriter while we were waiting in line. And one of which was registering a wee complaint. A wee complaint. I can't, I can't do Scottish, but it was funny then and also points out something else. What we really wanted was for the line to get shorter and to be able to go to our hotel and do the fun things that we were looking forward to doing. But it points us to that complaint or grievance is really a desire for something to be different than it is. A longing, perhaps, for change. Yet many people stay stuck in the frequency of complaint without really getting to the underlying desire, complaining about their spouse, about their job, about the way the world is, complaining about themselves even. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. How do we liberate ourselves from the frequency of complaint, move from being a grievance factory or frequently offended to being visionary agents in our own life, not just for ourselves, but on behalf of every being we come into contact with. Because kind of being in that muck of self-imposed powerlessness in this complaint frequency, it not only is draining for you, but it's draining for everyone you encounter. It doesn't actually get you closer to what you long for and desire, nor does it lead to positive change in the world. And frankly, it's very unattractive, and it pushes many people away, except perhaps for other complainers. So I want to talk here for a moment about that. How do you know when allying with other people around something that you don't like in the world is healthy or not healthy? When you're on a fear-based or complaint frequency, or when you're on an empowered change frequency? I'm thinking of the 6am coffee crowd at the local Pete's. It's a bunch of old guys who gather every morning to bond over conspiracy theories, politics, and gossip. And yeah, they're bonding and getting social support, which I'm all for in the world that's so lonely. But they are bonding in their curmudgeonness, and they are keeping each other in a fear-based holding pattern, while other people, frankly, are out making things happen. And it's like that thing about the man in the arena. You know, I'd rather be the man in the arena than the one sitting on the sidelines criticizing. There's another crowd that gathers midday. It's young moms who are all about supporting each other and becoming more present parents. So when they bring up a topic or a situation that could be perceived as a complaint, like something they're having trouble with, and they support each other in empathy, and then offer their best advice to help each other activate in a way that would create real change, not stay stuck in it, not stay stuck in, oh, I'm so tired, or oh, I'm so this. I mean, sometimes you want empathy. But uh, mostly, we hope to live our lives in a fuller vision of what's possible. So my teacher, Thomas Hubel, talks about this as the alliance of our younger parts. So what does this mean? It means that Sometimes, you know, we'll see a situation or a person and we have a strong reaction to it. We might get alarmed or fearful or outraged or suspicious. And then we 
look around the room and we try to find somebody else who's reacting in a similar way, or we might even feel them reacting in a similar way. So instead of looking at things with a clear eyes in our present, we're looking at it from this younger part of ourselves. And then we find other people who have a similar frequency of unprocessed trauma, and we form a little cabal of gossip and complaint and spin each other out further. And the story gets bigger and bigger, and and we're sort of in this drama. And we might even convince ourselves that because others see it our way, that that's evidence for the younger part being right, when it's actually only a confirmation bias from people who have been injured in the same way. So when something is triggering a reactive trauma response in us, and we seek out others to validate it, we bond on that basis. It's a kind of collusion. And then you know what happens. Gossip, persecution, uh, you know, it gets messy. So it's a very subtle thing to say, you know, sometimes our grievances and our complaints are accurate and pointers to desire. But how do you tell the difference from when your talking with others produces agreement that there's something wrong that's coming out of a shadow alliance versus something that's coming out of a collective insight? Thomas uh, tells us to tune into ourselves when we're in complaint and grievance and ask, which part of me is speaking right now? Is it the present-based, here-and-now, thoughtful, deliberate, choice-capable part of me, or is it a flooded, younger part of me? And if you're not in psycho-speak, flooded means overwhelmed, like you, you, you've got all these emotions coming up, so you can't basically think clearly. So this is from an interview. might be helpful. The wounded child tends to be young, from the first moments of birth onto five or six. That part of us tends to just get overwhelmed, and it was what was on the receiving end of abuse or neglect. And this adaptive child is what some psychologists have called our character defenses, our personality, our ego structure. It's a part of you or me that adapted to what was going on in our childhoods in the absence of healthy parenting. And the adaptive child part of us tends to be black and white, perfectionistic, relentless, very rigid in their thinking, harsh, certain, and tight. Whereas the functional adult part of us tends to be nuanced, have a sense of gray, be forgiving, not relentless, not hard, not harsh. So that's a clue. If we're feeling in response to a situation very hard, harsh, uh, relentless, you know, very rigid, then we're probably reacting from an unprocessed trauma place. But if we're able to sort of sit back and observe things thoughtfully and respond with nuance, maybe our adult is in charge, and then we can see if we have allies from our adult place and bringing change about. Okay, another version of that, by the way, would be judgment versus discernment. Like, being, are you out there judging people? I mean, how exhausting is it to be the judge and the jury or to be judged versus just being discerning about what you prefer or don't prefer in situations or in, in people to hang out with? So everything has a purpose, everything that exists. So what purpose does healthy complaint play? As I said earlier, it's a pointer to an underlying desire. One thing I really like to do and I've been supported by this with some great friendships, is to move from complaining about how things are to creating a clear vision of how we would like them to be and then see if if and how we could craft a path to that vision together, uh, if that's possible to do it together. So when we catch the alignment or desire pointer early, uh, you know, oh, I'm not feeling very good after eating that meal, and then I just don't do that again, Uh, that makes life pretty easy. We can move into a new state of being or a new habit relatively easily. But if we don't catch 
the complaint and the pointer to a desire, like I want to feel healthier, I want to feel better early, then it, and it, it doesn't propel you into a different state until you get to the point where it's incredibly painful. You know, so that's what in addiction circles is called bottoming out. And let's like be a no to that, okay? If we notice when we're in the frequency of complaint and what our desire is, and we notice it and catch it early and then act on it early, we don't have to continually be in complaint and complaint and complaint until it gets worse and worse and worse and we're bottoming out. So there are rewards for not being in a vision frequency. You know, when you decide you're not going to be powerful, you're going to stay passive. And we all know those rewards because we see them in our lives, in our, in our own lives, in people we know, that sometimes there's a little pleasure that people get when they get attention or pity from their misfortune, a kind of a weird thrill uh, from showing off their injuries. You know, like, kiss my owie, my boo-boo. And it's not only the attention, but they can like create a sense of guilt and obligation in others. And the other benefit for being passive or not being in your vision state, but being in this in the state of complaint is that you can uh, refuse to accept responsibility for a problem, which might feel liberating in the short term, but it's definitely not liberating in the long term. Sometimes we just find that we can't move into the vision state. It's difficult to locate the control point inside of ourselves that we're sort of stuck with an external oppressor. Now, I don't really generally like the term victim mindset because it sort of diminishes people who actually have been victimized. So let's call it a a surf mindset, not like a surf the wave, but like surf in the old lord and vassal system where you're at the mercy of the lord of the manor. You, you just have to till the fields and pay your taxes. A mindset that says you have little personal power, even though we're not in a serfdom anymore, but it's a kind of learned self-victimization you know, unearthing like where you have internalized the message that you don't have personal power is a really important step in this moving from grievance and complaint into visioning. So here I want to talk for one minute about that new age trope of things not happening to you, but things happening for you, and how that ironically reinforces the external locus of control. It just makes the universe more benevolent. So what we're actually looking for is number one, presence where you're embodied, present in the moment and able to see a situation clearly as that nuanced adult we talked about before. Second thing we're looking for in this process is accountability, where we are able to answer for the outcomes that are resulting from our choices and our behaviors, where we don't blame others if things go wrong in our lives. Basically, we take ownership and responsibility for our own lives 100%. We do our best to make things right. And the third thing is amor fati, or loving what is and not fighting it. Basically, in order to move from a complaint into an action that's more vision-oriented, you have to know where you're starting from and not resist it. So if there's a situation that's bad, you have to name it in order to get the correct GPS uh, coordinates as your starting point and map it out to where you want to go. So amor fati is the third element, and then fourth is clarity of your desire or intent or action, uh, which gives you the possibility, these things, these four things together, being present, being willing to be accountable, uh, loving what is, and having a clear desire for where you want to go. Those things really create a beautiful formula for moving from a state of grievance into a state of vision and possibility. So if you are in the surf mindset, 
Here are a few little hacks that work. You can try everywhere possible to replace you did this with I did this. You are that with I am that. You blah, blah, blah with I, you with I. Uh, The second thing is to begin noticing thoughts that create bias, especially negativity bias. Just track how often you find yourself in complaint about how others are or how the world is. This might show up as being angry or fearful or lonely and then masking it with grievance or complaint. So awareness is the first step to change. So simply noticing, when am I on the frequency of complaint? When am I fault finding? And then asking, what is this telling me about what I desire? How do I want things to be? So we we notice our complaint popping up, and then we say, what's the desire underneath that? State it as a desire. If you can make it into an outrageous Taj Mahal desire, notice what happens in yourself when it's a really big vision and you get really excited about it. Oh, I can imagine how that would be. And then if you're interacting with someone else, you make a clean request for that thing to happen without making the other person wrong and without demand energy, like manipulating them into answering your request or punishing them if they don't do it the right way, just a clean request. And then you make an action plan. They may or may not come along with you to help you fulfill this desire, but regardless, you have stated it and they can come or not. So I want to try a few of these, moving from complaint to creation, moving from being offended, from being a grievance factory to being a visionary. So what is the greatest good you can imagine in any given situation And then can you enroll yourself or others in that vision? The co-creative invitation is a much more interesting and pleasant way to lead change than a grievance factory, which is boring and miserable and keeps you locked in to a really low frequency mindset. So let's take a few examples. Let's take a complaint against the self to self-upliftment. So maybe the complaint against yourself is I'm out of shape. And you say it every day and you keep snacking and watching Netflix or whatever versus I'm out of shape, I'm lazy, I'm out of shape. You you might say, I see a world, I have a vision, I have a deep underlying desire to be a person who can move my body in every direction and who can play and feels light and has the energy to run and hop and kayak and climb. I want to be a person who can like really whip it off in tennis. I want to be a person who can run for an airplane and like not get winded. You know, that you kind of say, this is my vision, that my body is totally harmonious and ready to move for anything that I command it to do, can do anything that I command it to do. And notice the difference in I'm making this complaint versus like I'm stating this clear desire. Now I can say, wow, that would be such a beautiful reward and I can more easily map it. And as long as I keep my mind trained on desire, I'm more likely to fulfill it and get there. Um, let's Let's do one with a partner. Complaint against a partner. Uh, to a mutual ideal being fulfilled. I'll do one here, like, he doesn't plan things for us. Complaint, complaint, grievance. He doesn't plan things for us. He doesn't plan things for us. So I notice my desire underneath that is, I would like to be thought of. I would like to be enrolled in somebody else's vision and taken care of and not have to do all the planning all the time. It's one of my core love languages. So I I might turn that into a vision and say, in my best relationship, my partner is planning an outing for us every other week, and I'm planning something every other week, and we're sharing the surprise and delight 
of, of that with each other. And then instead of coming to him and saying, meh, you don't plan anything. I do all the planning and meh, I will say instead, I notice that I would like to share planning special activities with you in a more equal way so that we can delight each other and with our imagination. Would you be willing to do that with me? Maybe you could plan something once every other week and I can plan something once every other week. It'll be so fun and good for our relationship. What do you think? And notice how the energy is so different if I make that direct ask or invitation than if I'm complaining. Another one. Here's another one. She didn't acknowledge my birthday. I just, they don't think about me. Versus I'm noticing that birthdays are really important to me. And I would like to be acknowledged on my birthday in with gifts or a special date. And I'm wondering if you think that we could make a commitment to that. Uh, could you make a commitment to that for me? Because you know it's important to me. And then if they say, oh, you know, I always want to do that, but I, I always forget it. It's like it doesn't really matter to me for my birthday. And so sometimes I, I find it hard to remember. I'll try my best. Or they agree and then the next year comes around and then they don't do it. Then you have a choice to make as the person who's making the request. You don't go back to grievance. I told you I wanted you to pay attention to my birthday. We don't do that. We just say, I'm noticing that my partner doesn't do that very well. And I have a decision to make whether that's a a thing I'm willing to live with and to see the other beautiful pieces that he or she brings to me and accept it and just say, hey, that's not a thing I'm going to get in this particular partnership and give myself gifts and activities and presents for my birthday or let myself receive them from my friends who will do that and be all right with it. I see the vision. I know what I like. And I've made a clear request. And if I can't have it from that person, either I change the situation or I give it to myself or I find another way to get that need met. But it's much more exciting when you say, for my birthday, I want to be blah, blah, blah. And you design the perfect day and you hope for that to happen. Then um, let's try one, you know, in the world. Let's try my clients mess with me around money and no one pays me on time. And you notice that that's a complaint that comes over and over. Month after month after month, that complaint has been around for three years. That's a ridiculous situation, people. What is the underlying desire? The underlying desire is not to have cash flow anxiety, to feel safe and secure in knowing that your bills are going to be paid and not to always be waiting on others who eventually do pay you, but maybe it's short. So you say, that's what I want. What would that take? Then you look at how long the average client takes to pay you. And you say, oh, it's 57 days. And then you say, "Uh, okay, well, I'm going to get myself a little nest egg that's continually three months of of petty cash on hand. So I never have to worry if payroll is covered and all that other stuff. I'm going to have cash on hand to cover those things. So I've moved out of the complaint into my desire, which is to be cash flow, a positive all the time, never have anxiety about money. And then I put, I, I figure out a way to create that backup plan. And while I still might request that my customers pay me on 30-day terms and that they're not late and I might get more effective and efficient collections processes in place, in the meantime, I've dealt with my underlying desire, which is not to feel financially anxious. You know, and we could even take it at the world level. You know, if you say, oh, the, the, the environment, for example, the environment is, 
climate change and there's so much collapse happening and I'm very afraid that humanity is going to come to its end of its time on planet Earth and I'm powerless and people are jerks and, you know, there's no hope for us. That's a very difficult place to be living versus like I desire to live in a world where people celebrate less materialism, they celebrate more bondedness and more human connection, they really work toward reducing their uh, impact and that, that, I, that I live with people who share those values, people who are happy to be living with less. And I can start to feel in my body what it's like to be in that community, a simplified material world uh, that is running on clean power. And then I make a vision statement. Uh, I am going to live in a community that is running on clean power where I'm growing my own food with other people and that material stuff isn't celebrated. I'm not going to celebrate it in others anymore. I'm just going to like live this life and be radiantly happy and see if it's contagious. And also, I'm going to work with my community to make some of those changes. And I've moved now out of my complaint into a vision for my own life and a way that I can uh, carry that out into the world. Uh, someone told me once, you know, you never change the world by complaining, by being angry about a situation. You change it by being attractive, by being an attractive force for an alternative way. So anyway, you see how these new narratives, the change in energy, like totally moves the feeling tone in the room. Once you have the desired state and you're committed to being an agent, the next step is to ask, what what can I do to solve this problem or to, or to make this vision a reality before I lean into others? And then knowing when you want to bring in help or collaboration because it's desired or it's needed or it's just plain would be more fun uh, because you are living in this relational world. Mm, okay, big breath. So I think the last piece that I want to talk about here is we live in this relational world. And some of us grew up fault finding, like you're, you're looking around the room and you're, the people who you're modeling yourself after are always looking for the thing that's broken instead of appreciating the things that aren't, aren't broken, the things that are good. So the more you're engaged in appreciation on a daily basis, you, you build a bank account with the other person that makes it more resilient to complaint or grievance or trouble of any kind. I've talked about this before, and I talk about it in the reverence book about doing meaningful appreciations at night with your partner or your beloved. And you can do it for yourself if you're a singleton at the moment. Uh, that, you, you know, basically you're, you're turning your attention to yourself or your partner or whoever, and you appreciate things about them that are current and observable from that day. And you'll notice that once you start actively doing appreciations and saying out loud what you like and verbally giving your approval, that you'll begin to notice how you become even more open to seeing and storing more positive impressions of each other throughout the day in anticipation of sharing that praise. And that that goodness and that that built up well of positivity makes it easier to share the misaligned parts too. Is there anything from today that needs to be cleared or any request or withhold or yes, a grievance? And if there is, and if it's simple, then you can clear it on the spot. And if it needs time, you might agree to do it at a later date. But even in the stating of the grievance, you try to state it in a way that says, hey, I have this complaint and under, underneath it is a desire for a blank. And then I'm hoping that we can talk about how to get there. So as I bring this little solo episode into a wind down place, I invite you to think about one place in your own life that you can move from complaint to vision, 
uh, from making others wrong to being in states such as appreciation, accountability, agency, to releasing your we complaints. Attention and awareness, as I said before, are key. Krishnamurti wrote about freedom, that freedom is not reaction, it's not choice. Freedom is rather pure observation without direction, pure observation without fear of punishment or reward. Freedom is without motive. It is found in the choiceless awareness of our daily existing and activity. That's another way of saying that we are free when we are with what is or amor fati. So as you are in your space and you're seeing the world around you and you're noticing whether your interpretations of that world are coming from a scared child place or from your nuanced, capable adult self, and then you are noticing what the complaint is or the grievance or what you're offended by and articulating a desire for something more beautiful or more visionary uh, to be in, that, in, in its place, a desire for something else. You start from accepting the situation as it is, being clear with it, and then moving into this beautiful vision and then mapping something, some way out to get there. I personally want your best vision to come alive for you. So let me send you on your way today with a blessing. I invite you to take a deep breath with me, just a really big inhale, and then receive this. Oh, mercy, 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 love. All beings are blameless. We are all doing what we know how to do. I close down my grievance factory. I recognize any offendedness or complaint in myself as pointers to my deepest desire. My desires are valid. I include myself in the ecology of living, in the ecology of giving and receiving. But my happiness is no one else's responsibility. I can make requests of others and see if they are aligned, but I cannot make demands of them or manipulate them into fulfilling my deeper longings. It is upon my heart to shift the way I think and to call myself forward into the greatest possibility I can imagine. I hope that's of use to you. If there's something in today's episode that touches you deeply and that you begin to catch yourself, particularly anytime you're making a complaint about your own beautiful embodiment, your own beautiful being. Thanks for joining me today. You can find me on Instagram as the.rose.woman. I'd also like to invite you to check out Rosebud Woman at rosewoman.com, the finest in body care and intimate care products. You'll also find my book there, the latest book, Reverence, on creating ritual in modern life, which is really about how to live fully and connectedly in, and to move through all the cycles of our life in a really rich and beautiful way. So come visit us, rosewoman.com. And if you have a moment and you like this episode, please grab the link and text it to someone who you think would benefit from it. I always love your ratings. I always love your reviews. I always love your emails. So take a moment and connect with me. Look forward to hearing your thoughts to love and liberation. See you next time.